idea what I'm doing um, with basketball or with coaching. Has anyone coached a kid's team before? Okay, yeah, we've got a few people. So you're probably good at it. I was not. Um, and it was just really interesting to watch these boys play because there were a few guys on the team who were actually pretty good. And they were able to kind of steal the ball really well and they had all of these slick moves and putting up crazy shots and all of that sort of stuff. And it was really fun to watch. Um, what they couldn't do, though, there were two things that they couldn't really do. And one of them was dribble the ball and the other one was pass the ball. Which did make for an interesting game because it happened again and again that they would, they would get the steal and then they would do this really fast breakaway and then they would lose control of the ball or they'd run into traffic and there would be this kid under the basket wide open and they didn't see him at all and lose the ball. And so there was a lot of interesting moments um, in that. Um, they had the energy, they had the flashy skills, right? But they had not mastered the fundamentals of the game. And so when they, they um, got those moments where they could shine, they didn't have those fundamentals mastered and it tripped them up. And when I say tripped them up, I literally mean they tripped up and face-planted on the court a lot. It was both horrifying and hilarious all at the same time, probably leaning more towards hilarious. But when it comes to our lives as Christians, I think we kind of have the same sort of idea, don't we? Now, as Christians, we kind of have this idea that spiritual maturity or being a good Christian means doing big things for the kingdom of God, right? It means going out and, and being missionaries or, or doing all of these flashy things and, and you know, having all of this great stuff happen. But oftentimes what happens is we, if we don't master the fundamentals of the faith, then it can trip us up. And unfortunately, we all can think of examples of people tripping up in their faith. We have a few face plant examples in our culture, don't we? I mean, this whole commission into the abuse and, uh, um, abuse and church care and state care is just an example of the fact that there are Christians messing things up. We hear stories of, of treasured icons like Ravi Zacharias falling into all of these issues and problems. And it's, it shows us that even with these people doing amazing, big ministry stuff, amazing, you know, huge churches or saving lots of people, and it's good, wonderful things, but there are cracks in the foundation and really serious issues because I think they've lost sight of the fundamentals. Now, I'm not going to um, sit here and judge people for what they've done or whether their ministries are now good or bad or anything like that. That's, that's God's domain. And God also knows that I'm certainly got no stones to throw in that particular conversation because he knows I've got as many flaws as anybody else. In fact, the Bible shows us that grace is bigger than any of the things that we can do wrong. If you just need to look up the story of David, King David in the Bible, and look at the things that he did wrong, and yet see the way that God used him anyway. So grace is big. In fact, I'm not really trying to point out what's lacking in our faith at all. This series is not about, here's what you're doing wrong, time to fix it. Our series about fundamentals is about getting back to the basics so that we can master the basics. And once we've got them mastered, we can move on to some of the 
bigger, flashier things that maybe God has in store for us. And I like going back to the basics, especially with people who have been Christians for a long time. You kind of think of, well, we need to do the basics for new Christians, for people who haven't been Christians for very long, who maybe don't know very much, because they need that. But really what we all need is to go back and check on our basics, check on our fundamentals, work on our fundamentals, so that if God does call us into something bigger, if God is calling us forward into doing something amazing or flashy or highlight play worthy, we've got our fundamentals sorted. To quote a guy I think has some success in basketball, I guess, Michael Jordan, he says, get the fundamentals down and the level of everything you do will rise. So that's what we want to do. That's what this series is all about, is mastering our fundamentals, getting those right so that the level of everything that we do in our lives for God, for each other will rise. Yeah? Are we good? Okay. So what do I mean by fundamentals? By fundamentals, I mean the basic important things that we do as Christians to be good Christians. Here's what I don't mean by fundamentals. I don't mean the things that we need to do in order to be saved or the things that we need to do in order to, for God to love us more. That's not what I'm talking about because we can't do those things. He's already done them for us. Even if we wanted to do those things, we really couldn't manage it. It's not really within our power to impress God so much that he's like, hey, that was impressive, didn't see that coming. Or to do enough for God to say, wow, you don't need Jesus at all. You are so good, you can just come right on into the kingdom of God on your own merit. That's not possible. We can't do any of that. But thankfully, he's done that for us. He has made a way for us to be part of his family. He has given us his unconditional love He has fixed everything. So that is over here. That is done and dusted. And all we need to do for that is accept him. All right? But after that, what happens is we now live out that life that he has given us. As Philippians chapter 2 puts this, he says, Dear friends, you always followed me in my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. And check this out. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Some of your translations may say with fear and trembling. Not that we are afraid of God, but that we take this seriously. He has given us so much. Now we want to live out our lives in light as a result of this amazing gift that God has given us. Yeah, And I believe that there are five things that we can do to help build a rock-solid foundation for that kind of life. Five things that if we can master, if we can get into and do, and I don't mean do it perfectly because no one's going to do that, but if we can do these things, then we can start living that life or continue living and build that kind of life that God wants us to live. So let me go through them real quickly because this is going to be our series. First one is community the way that we treat each other. The second is worship, the way that we connect with God. The third is growth, how we grow more like God. The fourth, 
No, it's not community. That's supposed to be prayer. The fourth is prayer, the way that we talk to, the way that we connect with God that way. And the fifth is outreach, the way that we share the story of God with those out in the community. Now, outreach is going to be our theme for the year. We've talked a little bit about that. Our goal for this year is to be a light for the community. So I'm not going to address that in this series. That's actually going to be its own series or a couple of series throughout this year. So this series is going to be about those four things, community, worship, growth, and prayer, as we look at how we can build those into our lives, grow them, and live that life that he wants us to live. All right, let's get right into it. The first is community. The way that we treat each other as Church Northwest and the way that we treat other Christians within the church around the world. All right? Interestingly, I've just said that our goal is to be a light to the community, right? We want to share Jesus with other people who don't know him. Jesus, for his part, says that one of the best ways that you can do that doesn't even involve talking to them at all. It involves loving each other. Listen to what he says in John chapter 13. He says, now I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, notice the repetition here, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I mean, that makes sense, right? It makes sense that if we were looking on the outside into this Christian thing that we've kind of got here, this community of Christians, this belief system, and we're on the outside and we look in and we see bickering and we see infighting and we see divisions and we see people arguing with each other about little bits of, of, of scripture or little bits of practice. And we're thinking, well, they don't even like each other. Why would they like me? You know, and we're trying to convince these people that God is love, but we don't even love each other. So Jesus is saying, yeah, get that one right, and maybe they'll believe you. Prove to them that I am love by representing me, first of all, to each other. You don't have to convince each other that, that Jesus is real, necessarily. I mean, we're kind of, at least not everyone's on a different part of their journey, right? I don't want to assume that you're all in on this. But we kind of have this understanding within the church that there is something going on there. We don't have to convince each other, but let's love each other. And that'll convince the world. We can't control how Christians around us act. We can't control how they perceive us. And some people are just not going to like Christians because of what we believe. That's just the truth. But we can go, take it a long way by loving and caring for each other. That's what I mean by community. The Bible says, Jesus says that the two most important commandments in the entire Bible, in fact, the entire Old Testament can be summed up in two things. Love God and love each other. So really, if we can get community down, we're getting like one of the biggest parts of being a Christian. It is one of the most fundamental aspects of being a Christian is loving each other. And this should be good news for you because one of the things that I am most proud about when I look out at this church and this church community is the way that you love each other, the way you welcome each other, the way you accept each other, the way that you go and find people who, haven't, who are new and you get to know each other and there's an acceptance there that I have seen 
From the beginning, we've tried to establish this church as a place where people feel like they're part of the family. And from my perspective, at least, and from what I've heard from many of you, that you guys are doing that. You're embracing that. So I don't know if you can reach, but pat yourself on the back. You've done a great job of embracing each other. So this message is far less about what's missing in this church, but about reinforcing, doubling down. Let's get into it. Let's make the strength an even bigger strength of sharing and, and being together and loving each other. Now, when we think about how the community of the church loves each other and what that's all about, the go-to verse that we tend to, to sort of look at is at the end of the second chapter of the book of Acts, which tells the story of how the church got started. And there's this really cool passage there about what the early believers did together. And we've read that passage before. We've looked at it. Really worth reading, and I've put it in the Bible app for you to reference. But I'm not going to get into that passage today. I want to kind of branch out into a few other places in the New Testament that gives us a few pictures, just snapshots of what hospitality includes. Not an exhaustive list, but a good picture of some of the things that we can do to be a loving community. So we're going to go to three passages. The first one is in the book of 1 Peter. Chapter 4. In verse 8 and 9, uh, Peter, who wrote this book, Peter was one of the disciples, he says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Again, there's that theme. For love covers a multitude of sins. He says, Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. There's this picture. The first picture of loving community is hospitality. It's inviting people into your home. Now, why is that important? Why is the home important? And I believe it is because the home where you live is a sacred place. It is a personal space. This is where you live. This is your sanctuary. This is your safe place. To invite someone into that space is a deeply personal act of acceptance. To be invited into someone's home means... You belong, in a sense. There is, and, and throughout culture, throughout all of history, the act of sharing a meal together in someone's home has always been an act of deep acceptance. That's why I think it's a really important thing for us to think about how we can do. Growing up, my parents always did a fantastic job of this. Uh, it seemed like every year we had people staying in our house from various parts of the world, kind of became a running joke that our house was part of the, like, the um, immigration system. You come into the country, you go through customs, you come to our house, you stay a couple of days, then you go about your business, you know. And it was, it was just fun seeing all of these different people there. And it wasn't always easy. It was not always simple. You need to ask my mother about the boys from Idaho sometime. There's some stories there. But there was always an act of love and compassion towards people. It was community. And we didn't even know some of these people. It was really great that they did that. Now, logistically, it's not always easy to open up your home to someone. It's not always possible to do that. And I get that. And that's not the only way that hospitality can be shared. Hospitality can be done in the form of making a meal for someone. It can be done in a shouting someone a coffee and having a chat. The simple act of taking time to listen to someone is an act of hospitality. So there's a lot of ways that we can do this. This bringing and sharing of ourselves and our home and our resources with each other. 
Uh, Peter continues in the very next verse with another picture. He says, Now God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Yes, actually. Then speak as though God himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all of the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everything you do will bring glory to God. It will make him look good through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. I think one of the greatest mistakes that people make in the church is this assumption that the pastor or the pastors, maybe the worship leader, the people up front, they're the ones doing the important work in the church. And everybody else, they may serve, but it's kind of next level, like tier two serving. It's pat on the back type stuff, but that's about it. You know, but that's a huge mistake. I mean, the people who come up here, they, they play instruments, they sing, I speak, whatever. We're just using our gifts. We're just doing the things that God has given us to do to serve you. It is no more important than the person who welcomes at the front desk or the person who helps set up morning tea or the person who puts the chairs out or packs the chairs away. Everything that we do is done to serve each other. There is one purpose for all of these service sort of projects or roles that we have. We work to create an environment on a Sunday morning where people can be ushered into the presence of God, that they may get to know God a little bit more, that they may bring their worship to God, that they may grow closer together. It's not about us as leaders of the church. You know, we may organize this, but this is not for our benefit. It's not about making everything good for us. This is about serving and loving each other. This is why you can see when you grasp this idea that serving is not about getting a job done or doing a chore. Serving is about community. It is about loving and serving each other to help create that environment. Even the most menial of tasks may seem like this has no real connection to God at all. It does because it helps someone else come closer to God. So, What's your skill? What has God built into you and how is he guiding you to serving your church family with those skills? We've talked the last couple of weeks, we've had sign-ups about things that you might be able to do and yeah, that's always an opportunity to, you know, there are a lot of things that can be done to help make these services work but don't do it for our sake. Don't do it for us. Do it for each other. For the sake of God who is glorified who is made look good when we serve each other does that make sense yeah good okay all right let's move on to galatians sorry that was service galatians uh, chapter six is where our third picture comes from paul who wrote this one says share each other's burdens and in this way you obey the law of christ share each other's burdens when i was uh, i did an internship in a church in the states and um, church in the States is very interesting. We'll put that aside. I, was, was, I, I really enjoyed it. And, but one of the things that I, I did a lot of is visiting people in the hospital. I went along with the pastor, and, and anybody who was in the hospital, we would go and visit them. And 
there were a few elderly people in our church and so there were quite a few people who were in and out of hospital and so spent a fair amount of time in the hospital with the guy who was mentoring me. And on one hand, it was an absolute beautiful way of living this Galatians 6 out because we were there for people during their most difficult times. We were able to pray for them. We were able to give them a little bit of comfort and come alongside them. And it was fantastic. But in another sense, I think we missed the point a little bit. But because the pastor and I with him went to every person who went to the hospital, it created this expectation that until the pastor went and visited you, you weren't looked after. There was something missing. Like if someone else came and visited you, that was nice, but when's the pastor coming? When's the real Christian coming to help me with my spiritual problem? And I think in a church of hundreds of people, it's almost impossible for the pastor to look after everybody anyway. But even if they could, I don't think it's a wise idea. I don't think it fits what God wants for his church community. I think he wants us to help each other. It's kind of like this. When, when the pastor is the one who is helping everybody, it creates, church becomes like a doctor's office. You know, and everybody is together in the waiting room. You know, and so this comes like the waiting room while we're all together hanging out, waiting for an opportunity to go see the expert. And once we can see the expert, then we'll get our healing, right? You don't want that because I'm not an expert, all right? This is not a good system for you. It's better to have a system like a support group where everyone gathers together and they help each other out and the leader is there to facilitate and help you help each other. So we want to have that compassion, have that bearing each other's burdens, supporting each other. I mean, wouldn't it be something if the pastors at Church Northwest weren't able to help all of the people who are hurting because they already had people around them who loved them and were caring for them? Wouldn't that be something? If I didn't even get a chance... Like I'm trying to push through the crowds because there are so many people around them loving them that I'm, I'm just superfluous. I'll do my praying from back here. Wouldn't that be incredible? And this is why we push, and, and we haven't been pushing too much lately, but we do want to push small groups as a way of building those kind of communities around you. It's a place that, where you do a Bible study, and Bible studies are fantastic, but it's more than that. It's a community of people who can get into each other's lives in a way that a pastor and a leader can't do. I can't do that for everybody. I wish I could. I love all of you, but it's just not possible. But if you can get into a small group of people, a group of 10 people or, or more or less, you can share life with each other. So if you're not in a group and you would like to be in a group, we've got a couple of groups running at the moment, and we have a third one about to get started. We're just trying to piece that together at the moment. So come let me know. You can email me, hamish at churchnorthwest.nz. Uh, we'll get you organized into a group um, as, soon as, as soon as we can. All right. The last picture comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. The, uh, the last picture here. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. All right, so gatherings or church services, this may not seem like a loving each other type thing or a loving God type thing. I mean, I'm just turning up. 
right? It's just a, a sort of a butt in the seat, does not really sort of exhibit much of a loving each other thing. But I would disagree with that. You may think that we encourage you to come to church because we like to pad our stats and we like to have a nice full room. And I'm going to be honest with you, it is a temptation. It's a temptation to want to have a big church because there is a status that comes with that amongst pastors and church leaders. And, you know, there's that, that we, we try not to ask the question, how many people you got coming along to your church? But it always ends up coming out because there's that kind of, I don't know, it's... it's these are our problems. These are the things that we deal with, our temptations. But trust me when I tell you this, when we encourage you to come along to Sunday gatherings or to come along to small groups, it's not to make us feel better. There is some benefit to us. We do enjoy having a full room. There is some benefit to, to God to see you guys coming together and worshiping him. It's a big benefit to him. It's even a benefit to you to come and to, to be amongst other Christians. It kind of lifts you up sometimes. Those are all legitimate things. But what I want to push today is that it benefits not just us, God, and you, but it benefits each other. When you come along to Sunday morning, you enhance the gathering for everybody else. You may not feel that way. Sometimes you feel the way I am in the mornings. You don't really want me there. And honestly, if I wasn't there, you wouldn't care. And I hope you don't feel that way because we do care. We care because we love seeing your face. We care because we love to see that interaction. We want to encourage you and we want to be encouraged by you. Each and every one of you has the ability to make the Sunday gathering better for other people, to help each other, to motivate one another towards good works like Hebrews says to help each other, to give us that spiritual kick in the pants that we need from you. You make church better when you're here. So don't feel like it's a pressure thing. Feel like this is an opportunity to make the kingdom of God stronger by making my gathering stronger. So this is actually comes right down to what our church mission statement is helping each other take our next step towards Jesus. You guys can do that. I can only do that on a limited basis. So if I have any mana with you, if I have any ability to lay a challenge at your feet this morning, this is the challenge I want to lay down. I want to challenge you to commit to coming along, participating and engaging in our gatherings Sunday morning gatherings, small group gatherings, other things like that. Not to make up numbers, but so that you can encourage your family and your family can encourage you. That's the picture of the church that I would like us to have. That's community. All right. Well, I said before, the fundamental of community is a strength at Church Northwest. And much of what I'm mentioning, you guys are already doing. I mean, obviously, you're here, so you've done that part. <laughs> you, you've, you engage with each other, you love each other, you care for each other. You are doing this, and it is a beautiful thing. And I love being a part of this church because of that. And even if you aren't, even if you're feeling like, I, I'm just not at that stage, some of the things you mentioned today I haven't really been doing, I don't mean that as a guilt trip, but as an invitation to do some simple things that will help you grow in your relationship with God.
express your faith. And maybe you're not a Christian here this morning. And what I hope for you is if you are looking into this Christian community thing, what I hope is that when you come into this space and in the future when other people come and explore what Christianity is in this space, what they will find and what you will find is a true and beautiful expression of the love that God has for you, expressed by the love that we have for each other. And as we care for each other, you will see what this thing is all about. You will understand who God is. God is love. And we express that love to each other in our community. I'm giving you one commandment. Jesus says, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let me pray. Lord, I'm, I'm super proud of this church and I love the way that you have been in amongst us and guiding us towards each other and the way that we have accepted and, and loving on each other and, and we don't do anything perfectly, Lord, but it's just very cool to see. Help us to continue doing that. Help us to make each other our priority, that we would care for each other, bear each other's burdens, have compassion for each other, motivate each other and, and show hospitality towards each other. And may you bless our efforts as we do that. It's in your name we pray. Amen.